0: of God, who indeed is interceding for us, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep I know this, every single day we wake up in the morning, maybe some of those who are here this morning, hearing the accusing, accusations of the enemy saying, don't you know what this person has done? Don't you know how much they are not loving you like they should? Here they are again, coming to you the 50th time. Look, they've been they've been running away from you all of this time. Here they come back for the 50th time to try to somehow reach you and get your mercy. And God's like, yeah, wh- what are you, surprised? I don't know that. That's why my son died. That's why I gave him up. That's why I demonstrated how much I loved you Each and every one of you, by giving you my son while you were enemies with me. So that every single day of your life, you'd be able to wake up and know my mercies are new every morning. And there is nothing that will be able to separate you from the love of Christ and God. Church, keep looking to him who is the author and finisher of our faith. And don't let the enemy discourage you from coming here among brothers and sisters and lifting your hand, regardless of what's in your past and regardless of what's in this week coming up here. You lift your hand, you say, Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Let's pray. Thank you, God, for your love that endures forever, for your love and your grace that is greater than our sins, for your mercy that is new every morning, for your steadfast love, your covenant kindness to us, where you have promised to love us and you will fulfill your promises, and there's nothing that, can call, that we can do to make you break that promise. But God, there are many voices and many lies within our heart that try to make us feel separated from your love. I pray you'd kill that. And I pray you'd help us to step out in faith and trust and to know because you've told us over and over again that you love us no matter what. And that love would motivate us to lay our life down for you and to live the rest of our life in complete surrender. I pray you'd help us in all of these things. I pray you'd help us as we open up your word. I pray that you'd help us not to rebel against it, but accept the critique, accept what we see in the mirror. We'd accept the conviction and we'd let it move us to the place to where we are in love with you more and more and being conformed to the image of Jesus. We pray it in his name alone. Amen. You may be seated. Yes. If you are attending Summit Essentials this morning, right out this door, is where you want to go, and there's a classroom right down the hallway to the right here. That's that's a good place where we're gonna you're gonna hear about who we are as a church, uh, what we believe, and uh, our convictions. It's a great time to ask questions and to hear all of that. So, feel free to step out and head that way at this time. Church, the tongue is at it again, is it not? You know, we, we just went through chapter 3 a couple weeks ago, and we had many verses, like 12 different verses that were hammering the restless evil of the tongue. And just when we thought James was done giving us some rest, not making, making us have to confront the fact that our mouth and our words are constantly Uh, against us and against others and causing us to fall into sin. He brings it up again at the end of chapter four and we've gotta talk about the tongue again. The tongue is at it again. Real faith is the series. Here's the question, do you have real faith? Is the faith you say you have real faith? Do you find confidence in, in the fact that you feel that your faith is real? Or do you find confidence in the fact that your life matches the life that the scripture says someone who has real faith will have? You see, there's a difference. And the one thing we want to do, especially through this series, especially what I think James is doing, is he's trying to help strengthen the churches so they can be exposed to say, hey man, this might be some, some areas of your heart that aren't authentic or genuine. Real faith having the Holy Spirit inside of you, God in you, not God just in a place that you have to go to and find, but God himself dwelling in you is going to do something. It's gonna create a new creation and there'll be evidence of that. James is talking about real faith. In chapter three or earlier in the book is when he brought up the verse about the word of God is like looking into a mirror. We look into a mirror and we see who we really are. But those who have real faith don't just look and see and walk away and forget, they look and they see and they remember what they saw and their life then is changed by what they saw and they begin to deal with the areas of their life that the scripture is exposing are not Christ-like. Where have we been so far? We've been in chapter three and four and they've kind of been connected in. In a big way. Let me let me show you why. He started out in chapter three talking about the tongue and how it's a restless evil, full of deadly poison. And then he be, he began after that to say, "Hey, where does all of this come from?" When we talked about wisdom that comes from above and wisdom that is earthly, and surely a tongue that is out of control manifests worldly wisdom. But then. He didn't just stop there. He, he went on to say, like, man, a lot of the problems and the fighting that goes on amongst brothers and sisters in our life, and particularly in the church among us, where are the, wa- the wars and the fights and stuff coming from? Is it not from your selfish passions at war within you, we learned last week? Again, manifesting and showing this is wisdom not from God, from the world. Real faith will get its cues from wisdom from above and then 11 and 12, verses 11 and 12 of chapter 4 come along. And it may seem like he is switching gears here, but I think what he's doing, he's getting a little bit more detailed about the selfish desires that are at war within us. Verses 11 and 12 of verse, chapter 4 say this, do not speak evil against one another, brothers. Brothers. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is only one lawgiver and judge, he who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? Last week, we learned that God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to to the humble. Maybe that could be a theme verse even through the whole book of James. It's right here in the middle. That's trying to get our attention. Say out of everything that James is talking about, if there's one thing that James is trying to accomplish in the hearts of his people as he writes this letter is that we would be humble and that we would see that those who walk in pride their whole life, God is opposed to them. And maybe many of us manifest our pride by constantly fighting for what we want because somehow we think we deserve things. And one of the greatest ways that pride is manifested is in the way that we talk about one another. And we're gonna to reveal today that, that this sin of slander is far worse than we could ever imagine. It's one of those hidden, crafty sins that come along that seems so easy and so innocent, like I'm not hurting anyone, and the Bible is going to reveal it is, it is a horrible, horrible sin that condemns us as we try to condemn others. And it reveals once again that the tongue is a small fire that sets on fire the entire course of light life. And what did he say? It's set on fire by hell. So the tongue is at it again. I would imagine as James is looking into the church and he says, like, man, there's all these fights going on among you. I would think maybe the source would be the slander that's happening from everyone's lips as they're talking about one another, going back and forth, speaking evil against. So let's talk about slander. Let's talk about what the Bible says about it, what it is. It's this idea, and I love how he says it, speaking evil against one another. It's this intent of the heart and of the soul to malign, to talk about someone in a way that will not edify and build them up, but tear them down. It's, it's motivated when you talk to others and you want others to feel the same way you feel about someone else. And so your speech is then one that is speaking evil against this person to someone else and their ears are hearing it hopefully so that they then come along and come away with the same perspective that you have of that person. Man, this is, this is all over the place. Every single one of us can include ourselves into this situation say, man, like this, this is something that's potentially happening all the time in my life if I'm not careful. Because guess what I'm constantly seeing is plenty of reasons to complain about people all the time. You ever been around someone who is telling you about someone you've never met before? Telling you about someone you've never met before. Maybe it's in the church. Maybe it's someone you haven't met yet, but they're, they're new, you guys have never crossed paths. But the only thing you've ever heard about that person is that one time you brought up this person you haven't met to someone else. And the first time that this person hears you talking about this person, the first thing they have to do is tell you what's wrong with them. You ever had that happen? It's like, man, now your first impression and the only thing that you can think about this person you've never met before, the first impression you have is this slander that this person has just so easily given, just in the the mix of the conversation. All you did was mention their name and it caused this person to, ooh, immediately tell you what they think about them. Slander sounds like this. Oh, did you hear? Slander can sound like this in the South. Bless their heart, but... hey, did you know, oh man, I cannot stand. It, it's something that can happen so easily. And, and I was asking myself this week, why do we slander? One of the main reasons is a deviant nature that we're not honest with. There's truly within us a desire to want to bring someone down and elevate ourselves above them. And there's something happening within our heart. We want things to go the way we want them to to especially with a certain person. And slander is that purposeful intent to try to malign someone and hurt them. And it comes in many different shapes and sizes. You can actually use the truth to slander someone. Let me read you some verses from scripture. God cares very much about this. From the Old Testament to the New, this has been something. Leviticus nineteen sixteen says this, you shall not go about as a slanderer among your people. And you're not to act against the life of your neighbor. I am the Lord, Psalm 105 105 says this, Whoever secretly slanders his neighbor, him I will destroy. No one who has a haughty look and arrogant heart will I endure. Interesting. You actually see slander and malicious talk seemingly a lot of times through Scripture connected with pride. What has James just said, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. It's natural that he would bring up the ways that pride manifests itself. 1 Peter 3.16 says this, when people slander you as a Christian, he says, keep a good conscience so that in the thing in which you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ will be put to shame. You see how slander can be something where someone is taking something that you're doing that is good and twist it, make it a bad thing. Christians are slandered as evildoers. You'll see it in this world today. The world is going to hate Christians. They hated Jesus and they looked at the things that he said and did and they made conclusions where they spoke evil against him and they'll do the same thing about us today. Oh man, those Christians are just judging bigoted racist people who just want to always point out what's wrong with people, right? And they'll say and they'll slander things, but is it actually true? It's taking the word of God and helping people say, hey, look, it's a mirror. This is who you are. And who you are is a disastrous thing before a holy God. And true love will come along and say, man, like, you're not who you think you are. You're not as good. You're, things are not well. There's not rosy road ahead of you. Down the course of life that you're headed is a road that will end with the wrath of God and your eternal destruction. Because of who you are and because of the pride because of the way you are, and because of the sin that indwells in us and that condemns us. Love will point that out, right? See a bunch of kids running to the edge of a cliff, and you jump in front of them and trip them. Yeah, the world's gonna get mad that you trip them, all the while you know you're trying to help save them. You'll be slandered for it. This is what slander is, trying to do something good, but then someone turns it into something bad. Ephesians 4.31 says says this, let all bitterness and wrath and amor and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Colossians 3.8 says, but now you also put them all aside, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive speech from your mouth. And if you come to the book of James, what did he say when he has brought up all of these things? He says, my brothers, these things that I'm speaking to you about that are in the church, he says, these things ought not be so. Ought not be so to who? To just random people who don't know Jesus? No, to people who claim to know Jesus, who say they have faith. If you have faith, these things should not accompany someone who says they have faith. But reality is we're still in these bodies of death. We're still gonna deal with the shortcomings of our mouth. And James is going to help motivate us to put slander away once and for all. And at least for the rest of our life, fight the good fight of saying, I wanna control my tongue. I don't want it to be a restless evil. I don't wanna hurt and malign my brothers and sister. I don't wanna be the cause of some great quarrel and some great fight. And it can start with me so easily in secret if I'm not careful. So here's what James is going to show us. Here's what the, the mirror of God's word is going to reveal about us when we slander. And we're gonna see this, four, four different things. That slander reveals about a person. Four different things that the scripture is gonna be the mirror for and say, look, this this is who you are when you slander. And again, this isn't the funnest type of things to do, but these are the necessary good things that lead us to a place of humility and surrender when we let God's word speak into our life and we make ourselves look in the mirror and we do some assessment of our heart. The first thing is this. Slander reveals a person that does not love others. In verse 11, I mean, look at the very way he describes it. He says, do not speak evil against one another, brothers. You're gonna hear him use the word brother several times in this to reinforce the family that we are, the family that they were. When someone, think about this, speaks evil against a brother, Just describe that. You know what? This morning, I spoke evil against a brother or sister. And then in the same sentence, try to say, yeah, but I love them. If you heard someone say that, would there be some type of disconnect in your head? They'd be like, wait, wait, wait. wait." So you you literally just described speaking with your mouth evil. And then here's this word against. Do we know any scenario in our life where we can be against one another? speaking evil against a brother or sister. This reveals a person that does not love others. Ask yourself, someone who doesn't love others, does that that describe someone who has real faith? Now, I'm being like James, and I'm being very dogmatic and black and white. Here's the reality, though, of life. People who have genuine faith slander others. But there's a difference People who have real faith and they slander it, the spirit exposes it, their heart breaks, they confess it and make it right with others if need to. And the whole rest of their life is dealing with this unruly evil that's in their mouth. Till the day they die and God glorifies their body and God will give us something new we will have a tongue that's redeemed and we'll never deal with blessing God and cursing our brothers and sisters. The things that ought not be so will be dealt with. But what I'm saying is James says that, that when we do that, it is not manifesting the evidence of someone who loves others, which is a great characteristic of Christians, people who have laid their life down, especially for their brothers and sisters. Speaking evil against one another. Then he says this. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law, and James is going to reveal and give us a deeper reason to put slander away, revealing to us that slander does not just go against a brother, it goes against the very law of God. And it reveals a person that does not love God's law. Look what he says here. The one who speaks against a brother or judges, that word means to condemn, speaks evil, actually what they are doing is speaking evil against the law and judges the law. Well, what law is he talking about? If you remember in chapter two when we talked about the sin of partiality where you, you, you show favoritism to people, whether they're rich or they're poor, whatever it may be, you make distinctions in your heart. And James says this in chapter two, If you really fulfill the royal law of liberty, you shall, what? Love your neighbor as yourself. What did Jesus reveal when he was asked what the greatest commandment is? The first and greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, your soul, mind, and strength. And the second greatest commandment is like that one, that you would love your neighbor as yourself. There are like 630 something different commands in the Old Testament, but all of it can be wrapped up. And you can be sure that all of the commands will fall under those two things. If you love God far more than anything else on this planet, guess what? You're not gonna have a false idol before him. You're not gonna take his name in vain. G- guess what? If you fulfill the second law in your life and you love your neighbor as yourself, you're not gonna covet their spouse. You're not gonna steal from them. You're not going to kill them. If you love God, you're not gonna lie or if you love your brothers and sisters, you're not gonna lie to them or speak evil against them. All of the commands of God that God says, do these things. If you go and try to do these things, 1 Corinthians 13 says, and you have not love, it's useless, it's worthless. Love is where it starts. Love is at the center of those who know Jesus, the type of love that he had. The type of love that when he was made fun of and when he was punched and his beard was pulled out of his face and he was spit on and he was nailed to a cross, even in all of those moments when he had a time to respond, he did not revile in return, the scripture says. And it says this, he looked down and when he did speak from the cross, it was words that said, God, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And when he speaks to a criminal who was at one point maligning him and slandering him from a cross says, today you'll be with me in paradise. Then we look at the mirror of Scripture and we find the purpose of life is to be conformed to that image. But you can only be conformed to it if your faith is real and the Spirit's in you and working in you. God will begin to weed these things out of your life. One of the ways he does it is through his word and the word here is trying to give us some, some, some revelations. It's trying to reveal to us and make us look in the mirror so we see the wickedness of slander and we get repulsed by it and we say, I don't want to do this anymore. And we live the rest of our life not being a forgetter of the word of God, but a doer, saying, you know what? I'm not gonna slander. Even when I struggle with it, I'm gonna confess it quick. I'm gonna make it right with my brothers and sisters. And I'm not going to be slander because, because I love God's law. Loving God and loving others. I don't wanna speak evil against that. And the person who speaks against evil against a brother or sister, what they're revealing is this. God's law isn't good enough. I know better. Which brings us to the third thing that this reveals. It says this, The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother isn't just speaking against the brother, but speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But then he says this, But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of a law, but a judge. There is only one lawgiver and judge, he who is able to save and to destroy. Do you see what James is doing? Do you see the reasons he's giving to neglect or to put away slander. You see what he's trying to reveal about us when we slander, what we're actually doing? Because when we slander, sometimes we think maybe there's something of weird justification in our heart. We think, you know what, in this case, based off how annoying this person is or based off what they've done or what they've said about me, I am now justified to be able to say what I want to about them. So sometimes we just, we're deceived and think that we're justified in saying the things that we say against one another. Most of the time it's more deviant, it's I just don't like that person, and I don't, I'm filled like in chapter four with my own passions, and I'm filled with selfish ambition and jealousy, and envy, and I just don't wanna see that person happy, and I don't wanna see others celebrate this person. I just can't stand it, and so my gut reaction is when I get around moments, when I have the opportunity to say what I want to about the person, it's not going to be words that edify and build up, it's gonna be words that destroy. Who in our life are we speaking evil against? Do we realize that we're actually, when we do that, speaking evil against the law of God? It's like we're taking the first and greatest commandment and we're speaking evil against it. That's what God's seeing. But then he reveals this. When we speak and we slander, reveals that we are a person that thinks that they could do better than God. He says this. When you do this, You are a judge of the law, not a doer of the law. James has revealed the golden life is to be a doer of the word, not just a hearer. So there's those who are apathetic, who hear and deceive because they just hear and they think they're good because they're listening. But then now he's gonna talk about those who think that they're doers of the law, but they're actually judges of the law. They're like the Pharisees are going around pointing the finger and being critical and judging and condemning and slandering others may be deceived in their mind thinking, hey, I'm doing the Lord's work, right? I'm keeping people at bay. I'm making sure morality is exactly where it needs to be. James is saying, if the intent is not righteous, I'm gonna come to that here in a second. If the intent is not righteous and good and in accordance with scripture is speaking evil. And really that person is saying in their heart, I think I could do better than God. When God said, love me more than anything else, and when he said love others as yourself, in this case, based off this person, what they've said and what they've done, whether to their face or behind their back, the second commandment isn't good enough. God, I got this. I'm gonna put that second commandment on the shelf. I'm gonna take over for you so you can relax, take a day off, God, and now I'm gonna be the judge here, and I'm gonna be the one to cast out condemnations to people who have received mercy and who the scripture declares there is no condemnation over them and I want to speak evil against them. I mean, I mean do we think about these things when, our, when, we, when we hear that person's name said in a conversation and we go to open our mouth, are we thinking about these things? Man, am I about to speak evil against a brother? Do I see it as speaking evil against? Do, do I know that when I do speak evil against a brother or sister, I'm actually speaking evil against God's law? do I see the position of pride that I am where I'm actually thinking and displaying through my slander of another person that Christ died for it's like I'm saying I think I could do better than God it's almost like if Jesus were here we know he wouldn't say those things but we okay Jesus take it we're like Peter trying to step in the way of Jesus getting things done and just not getting it right person who slanders thinks that they could do better than God. We need to take a a, a pause real quick because I want to bring some balance to this conversation. He uses the word judge there. And there are no shortage of misspelled tattoos on planet earth that say only God can judge me. And people walking around saying, you can't judge me. The Bible says not to judge, stop judging me. James here is not talking about Brothers and sisters keeping each other accountable and calling out sin when it is present. Matthew chapter 7, let's take a look really quick at Jesus speaking about judging. And by the way, if you read uh, the Sermon on the Mount and then you go and you read the book of James, you can see the parallels. James is obviously thinking about Jesus' Sermon on the Mount as he writes his book. Jesus says this about judging others. And Jesus says, judge not that you be not judged. Or in other words, judge not so that you won't be judged as well. He says, for with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. It's like this, this law in the spiritual realm from God that says, hey, whatever measure of judgment you put on someone, God's going to make sure you are judged by that same standard. He says, for the measure you use, it will be measured to you, which is a... Uh, uh, a, a marketplace thing where they measured out. You know, I give you three dollars and I get the perfect measure of three in return, right? So I, I I give this and this is what I'm owed. Same thing with judging. You 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 give this judgment, then you're owed the same in return. And this is when he gives that that famous uh, uh, little illustration. He says, "Why do you see the speck?" little speck that is in your brother's eye, but you do not notice the log that is in your own eye. How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? Here's the issue. The issue isn't that the person's judging. The issue is the next thing. Jesus says this, you hypocrite. First, take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. The Bible does not teach that it is wrong to judge. The Bible teaches that it's wrong to be a hypocrite. It's wrong to go around pointing at other people's problems when you haven't dealt with your own. The Bible points out that it's not wrong to point out sin because the Bible tells us to have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. Ephesians rather expose them. But James says, do not speak evil against a brother. It's, it's all about the heart, which is what God's looking at. He's looking at his, Christian, his, his children and say, man, what's going on in the heart of that person? Man, they're disguising it in like trying to help or a bless your heart or a prayer, but I see their heart. They're angry. They're filled with envy and malice and they're bringing these things up to actually hurt the other person. So what, what do you do then when you see that someone's walking in error or there's sin in someone's life? Actually, you know what? At the end of book of James, at the very end of the book that we're in, do you know what James says? Anyone who brings a sinner back from the error of his ways has saved a soul. The whole book of James is James judging us. So James can't, James is either being a hypocrite by saying don't judge, or he's trying to point out the wrong type of judging, condemnation over someone, a critical spirit that does not have the intent to help and to restore, but to hurt and to lift themselves above, to take the place of God and determine what's right and what's wrong. To want to see that person receive a punishment. The place that you and I and all of us are in are in a place where we need mercy every single day of our life. And so when we see a fellow brother or sister doing something else, saying something that hurts us or offends us, the only thing that should be going through our mind is they're just like me. And so God, I wanna judge them by asking and interceding for them and ask you to give them mercy because they're just like me. I see myself in them. You know what? I want mercy. But the law of God says you judge that person, whether it be a son or a daughter or a mother or father or a friend or brother, sister, a coworker. You judge them and you say, man, they deserve this. God's going to say, okay, that's what you want to give them, then I'll make sure you get that as well. Mercy and grace is what we all need and all want. Every time we find a reason or a circumstance in our life, to speak evil about someone else should be the opportunity for us to say, oh God, this is my opportunity to intercede for someone that needs mercy and grace, just like I do. I see it, they just give me an example, and it's just reminding me of what I need. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Jesus teaches to not be hypocrite and to deal with our own problems before we try to point out other people's problems and complain about others. Guys, where's the fruit of your life at? What's the reputation of the fruit that comes out of you? Is it anger? Is it unrest? Is it slander? Is it, is it, is it, is it, it, you just, you just, you shake when you think about certain people in your life that are just infringing on what you want and you just, all of that is evidence, the Bible is saying, of wisdom from the world, demonic, unspiritual, devilish, which brings us to where slander originates. When we slander, we're being just like Lucifer just like Satan in the garden, when he said, God, he slandered the, the very command of God. He said, God's, you're not going to die. God's keeping you from being just like him. Don't you want to be just like your father? Don't you just want to be just like God? Which is where it started with Satan, was, was wanting to be judge, wanting to be on top, wanting to make the decisions wanting to do what he wants, not wanting to have any authority over him, not wanting to be humble and put others before himself. And when we slander, we manifest the very heart of the slanderer and the accuser from the beginning. People who have real, ha- real faith, their hearts will break over this. They're gonna struggle with it their whole life, but they're gonna be fighting against it and their hearts will be broken and they'll be willing to look at the mirror and allow God to bring them back to the place of humility where they fall on their knees. And they say, man, I just got to every single day, it seems like i have to confess the sin. Yeah, yeah, th- yeah. That's it till we die. It's not, I, hey, I said this prayer 80 years ago. And I'm good with God because I confessed everything. No, every single day of your life is a representation of where it started. Of us saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Your steadfast love I, I don't even deserve to look to heaven not a fake humility, but one that comes from constantly looking in the mirror and be like, man, I am not who I think I am. Which brings us to the last thing that slander reveals about us. The person that slanders is a person that thinks way too much of themselves. James chapter four, verse 12 says this. There is only one lawgiver and judge, he who is able to save and to destroy but who are you to judge your neighbor? The problem is pride. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. James isn't just pointing the finger and trying to provoke us. He's pointing the finger to help us see these things that will lead to humility. But I don't know about you, when I see myself this way and I start thinking, man, I've, I've been way too prideful. I've been condemning and speaking evil against the law of God. And I've been putting myself in a position where I think I could do better than God. Oh God, please forgive me. See, that puts me in the place of humility that I'm not going to on my own. There is only one lawgiver; God is the one who's given the law. So anytime we come to a right conclusion about someone else that hey, you're wrong, well it better first be in accordance with what God says is wrong or right. But then secondly, we need to remember that it is God who is the one who has made that law. We're only being an ambassador in that moment. Don't take his place. There is only one lawgiver. And then finally, there's only one judge. And the judge of all the earth shall do right. God has never called any of us to the place to be a judge. I don't mean judge like on the earth, but I mean like the judge to where we are the arbiter of pouring out the condemnation that belongs to Jesus alone. God has given Jesus the ability to condemn. And he's coming and that will happen, but what has God left with us through Jesus? A life that serves others regardless of how wrong or right they are. God is able to do two things, save and destroy. And Jesus told us not to fear man who is unable to do both of those, man who is only able to kill the body, but to fear God who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. There's a fear. uh, that, That also motivates us to the place of humility where our nose is turned to the ground a little bit more. And again, God opposes the proud Those who are prideful and live their whole life, ain't nobody gonna tell me nothing. (laughs) Right? Some of you know where that's coming from. But people who live with that, they don't have real faith. They've opposed God and others their whole life and they will stand before God who who will reveal to them the judgment that is now rightfully befalling them. But God is also able to save. God is able to save. Church, look, God is able to save. And all of this as the heavy weight of conviction falls upon us as we think about how wicked and evil our mouths have been, there needs to be the constant reminder of the hope and the redemption that is there for everyone, regardless of what your mouth has done. That right now is the day of salvation. Today is the day where, you know what, I'm gonna receive the mercy of God and I'm gonna stop resisting him. I'm gonna put this pride to the side. I'm gonna stop trying to prove my point and constantly convince everybody else that they're the problem, the kids are the problem, the wife is the problem, the people in the church are the problem, the pastor's the problem, my coworkers are the problem, the lack of money, my paycheck's the problem, my boss is the problem. I'm gonna put all that aside. I'm gonna say I'm the sinner. I'm foremost. I deserve hell. And without God showering me with mercy, I will burn in hell for eternity rightfully. Because that's what I deserve. And I look at scripture and God says, I will never turn that person away. I will never turn that person away. I hear and I see that broken heart. And Jesus said to the tax collector who beat his breast and he said, be merciful to me a sinner. Jesus said, that man's justified but the tax collector who stood off lifted his nose up. God, thank you that I'm not like these people, slandering them. Thank you that I am the cream de la cream of your creation, the religious example of all to look at and peer at, and as I get their money and their attention, God says, okay, that's all you get. The only thing you're gonna get from me is judgment and condemnation. Slander is a little bit more serious than we think, isn't it? We speak evil against the brother, we're doing far more than just giving our opinion on someone else. God's looking at the heart and he's seeing us speak evil against the very law that saves us. He's seeing us take his position that only he rightfully has. And he's seeing someone who's very, very prideful. Who's judging, going about judging neighbors, elevating themselves. And God has already given the formula in scripture for what he does to those who are prideful that they will be humiliated. Colossians 3, eight says this, for by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Proverbs eight thirteen says this, the fear of the Lord is hatred of evil, pride and arrogance and the way of evil And perverted speech I hate. Philippians 2, 3 says, do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. And that especially is true in the areas of your life when it comes to you being face-to-face either with a person or in your mind to the person that you so badly don't wanna do any of those things for It's easy to do it for people we respect and like. This is when we need to do it for people we don't respect and we don't like. We lay our lives down. After all, if Jesus says for your enemies, you should bless them and not curse, pray for them that spitefully use you, we've hardly experienced that type of persecution here. Surely within the church where we all have the same mind of being towards Jesus, we're hardly enemies of one another we can do what scripture says and forbear one another through everything and choose in the secret moments of our life not to slander and create fires that will go out of control, proving we're not burying the heart of God in that moment. I wanna leave you with this. I heard a story once of a village where people had started getting sick and dying, small remote village, and they couldn't figure out why They brought some outside doctors in who started trying to figure out what the problem was. And they looked at the water source and they found out in the water was some very, very deadly bacteria that was actually causing the problems and killing people. And they're like, okay, well, where are the people getting their water from? And they had one source of water and it came from a water source up the mountain. And you know what they did? They're like, well, we got to figure out what's in this water and where this bacteria is coming from that's killing the people. So they traced the water up the mountain, kept going, 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 everything looked good, good, good. So they came to this, this little small waterfall spot where there was some wood and some trees that had fallen over and they found, tangled up in all of that where the water was coming off, a mother pig who had fell in there and drowned along with all of her little baby piglets and their bodies were rotting and decaying. And all of that was coming through the water and linking down and the people were drinking it. You know, we start sometimes with the symptom. We see the fighting and we see people hurting and we see anger. But when we trace it back to what has caused all of that, here's where we need to challenge ourselves. If we trace all of the slander up the water, up the mountain, and we were able to get to the source where there's something necrotic and poisonous there, would we be the ones that would be found there causing all the problems? We may not be able to see it that clearly, but God sees it all. He knows exactly what's going on in our hearts and he sees the sources of slander that could be spreading evil and problems throughout whole families and households. And the Bible warns us not to bite and devour one another lest we be consumed by one another. And I'll end with this. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. I pray that you would not leave here today overcome by the weight of conviction and a sense of hopelessness because that's not the case with the gospel. God brings us to the place where we see who we are in the mirror and then he always provides the hope that we need to do something about it. And that hope is found in the gospel of Jesus who has secured forgiveness for all sins. Let's pray. Father, I can feel the, the weight in the room with my brothers and sisters, the weight that I feel as a well as I think about. My tongue that I use to bless you and lift your name and praise you has a rap sheet of slander on it, of cursing brothers and sisters. Evidence of starting fires. I imagine standing before you and I understand why Isaiah would say, God, I'm a man of unclean lips. Father, thank you, thank you, thank you that you don't just condemn me right here and now, but you tell me in Scripture that your kindness and your forbearance is meant to lead me to repentance. So I pray that you would help me and all of my brothers and sisters to not presume upon your grace just thinking that because you haven't struck us dead right now that we're good with you and that we would see that your patience and your kindness and your goodness on our life is the constant example and the picture we need that leads us to repent in humility and include ourselves with all the people we're pointing the finger out saying the problem, we include ourselves in the problem and then we stand back and we look to you along with our brothers and sisters and we say, be merciful to all of us. God work and break through walls of pride this morning. And bring us to a place where you grant us repentance with tears and you change stony, hard hearts that are opposed to you in pride and you would humble us and you'd help us to see that the slander on our lips is proof that we've been opposing you and others. God, thank you for your grace and your mercy. Be patient with us all and work in us through how you see fit through the Spirit in his name. Amen.